This is recording number 11054 from the Teaching Ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, June 9, 2013. This is the fourth message in a series titled, His. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, Word on Your Lips. Today we're going to be talking about His Word on your lips. His Word on your lips. We're going to read, as I said, from Acts chapter 4, but let me give you the background before we drop into this scene. So Jesus has risen from the dead. Uh, The church has been born. Jerusalem is ground zero for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the Christian faith. And uh, the church is growing by uh, growing daily. It started with 3,000 people and was growing daily. Uh, There were miracles being performed. And every day the Christians would gather in mass at the the, uh, temple. And uh, then from house to house they could not get enough of the word of God and this grand gospel that was being proclaimed that the Savior Jesus Christ had died for their sins and risen again so that we could have eternal life. They could not get enough of the teaching of the, the apostles or um, of the fellowship with one another. Uh, read Acts chapter 2 if you want to see an amazing uh, record of what that, the birth of the church was like. So we're two chapters away from that. So it's just... It, the. The environment is rich with excitement and, and a holy um, uh, enthusiasm, um, <laughs> passion, uh, expectation, and hope. And uh, Peter and John, two of Jesus' disciples, are on their way to the temple. And they come to the gate that's called Beautiful. And they're, along with a lot of other people that gather there every day to beg alms or um, to get donations from people coming to the temple because of their being invalid in some way and unable to work was one guy uh, who had been um, lame from birth not able to walk since he was born and as I said there were a lot of people there in that condition beggars uh, there at the, at the temple and Peter and John are passing through this, this crowd or mob of Beggars, which they did every single day. But this day, the Lord drew their attention to this one man. And they said, and reasons for that, no one knows. It's just simply we leave it to the heart of God. I, I can't explain that. But this day, God drew their attention to this one man. And it says they were fixed on him. Their attention was focused on him. And they said, you know what? We don't have any money to give you. But what we have... We give you, in the name of Jesus Christ, or in his authority, rise up and walk. They took him by the hand, pulled him up, and his ankle bones received strength, and he walked for the first time in his whole life. It was a marvelous, powerful miracle, and everybody in Jerusalem (coughs) recognized it as so because they'd seen this guy there every single day of his life. And the scribes and Pharisees and other religious leaders that were in control in that day of the Jewish 
people, especially in Jerusalem, they were already pretty ticked off about this whole Christian thing and the Jesus movement that was going, overtaking uh, the, the city and the people. And uh, so this was like the straw that broke the camel's back. How are they going to be able to resist the force of the testimony of this guy that everybody knows has been healed in the name of Jesus? And so they're just beside themselves trying to figure out what they can do. And so they do it all they have at their disposal. They arrest Peter and John. They throw them into jail. And they converse with one another trying to figure out, okay, how do we stop this thing? And they think, man, we can't make martyrs of these guys. If we kill them, we're just going to just make things worse. And so, make a long story short, they decide they're going to release them, but not before they have put the fear of God, quote, quote, into them. And they, they warn them severely not to continue the, to proclaim the name of Jesus. Stop this mess, they're trying to say to them. And if you don't, there's going to be serious consequences. So Peter and John... First thing they do when they leave uh, the prison is they go to be with their uh, Christian family, the, Christ, the church. They gather the church and they pray. And so we're dropping in on that prayer. Okay, Verse 29, chapter 4 of Acts. Now Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may, or we may, is what they're saying. Look on your servants, that we may speak your word. So they've been told, shut up. Don't say any more about this. Don't talk about this, Jesus. Don't do any more of this healing stuff. Stop this. So they say, Jesus, listen to their threats. Hear their threats. And grant us that with all boldness, we may speak your word. By, this is very interesting to me. By, not eloquent sermons and debates, not by profound linguistic skills. May we speak your word. May we continue in the face of their threats to speak your word with all boldness by stretching forth your hand to heal. And that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Now today we're going to talk about your, uh, his word on your lips. And next week we'll talk about his power in your hands. So these two go together here. But I want you to see, they weren't just asking for power, for authority, for uh, courage to say things. To quote scripture. Now, that certainly was part of it. But you see here clearly, they understood that what was more important was that the message be communicated. And that's the word that's used here when they say that, give us boldness to speak your word. In the Greek, that word is logos. Logos or logos. Anybody ever heard that word before? Been in Christian for a while, you may have heard that. It really has to do with the message, not the words. Let me try to illustrate the difference, because there is a difference. If I want to say to Drew here, I want to say, Drew, I like your tattoo. 
just for the sake of argument, right? <laughs> if, if I wanted to say that to Drew, I have this message in my, in my mind and in my heart, right? I want to communicate that to him. Now, I have to figure out how can I do that? So he and I, conveniently enough, have both studied this code called English. And so I'm going to use that to try to communicate this message that I have from him. So in my mind, I go through and I wrap these sounds and con uh, this, these vowels and consonants, these sounds and syllables around this message, and then I, I send it over to um, Andrew by, by my lips and you know, using my vocal cords and all that apparatus, he hears it in his ears and then decodes it because he has the other end of the code, right? So he can decode it. And hopefully, what I mean, the message, is heard. That's not always the case, is it? Because he might hear me say, he might be able to decipher the, by the words, I like your tattoo. But he may think, I'll bet he's being sarcastic. <laughs> right? Maybe what he really, maybe the message is, he doesn't like my tattoo. It's hard to tell sometimes. Look, I'm a, I, I spend my life communicating and I know for a sh without a shadow of a doubt that probably 90% of the time, what, I, what I'm heard saying is not what I meant to say. And it's just, uh, you know, something I have to live with. So there's a difference, isn't there, between the message and the words. When they were saying, when they were praying here, God grant us boldness that we may speak your message, is what they were saying. That we may communicate your message. And then, it's interesting, they say, and we're not even going to use words to do that. Help us to communicate your message. Now, that doesn't mean that they weren't going to use words, but it, they, were, they were making a strong statement that it's not just about the words. It's not just about quoting Scripture. We're going to communicate your message by your grace, by the courage that you give us, the boldness that you give us in answer to this prayer. We're going to communicate your words by stretching forth your hand to heal and that signs and wonders would be done in your name. So the message was the thing. How many of you know when those guys, when Peter and John said to that crippled man, they said, here's what we're going to give you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. All kinds of things were being communicated to that man. Just like we talked about earlier about the team going to Cambodia. Just their arrival there, after all the preparation, expense, and everything. Just their arrival there at that compound with those kids. Just arriving says more than words can say. There's a message that's being conveyed. And the reason I'm taking so long with this is because the other things I'm going to have to say today won't, be, won't make sense if you don't get this. That I'm not talking today about you having scripture on your lips alone. It is important for us to be people who communicate the scriptures too. You know, the surest way that you have to, to, to um, communicate 
the message of God is by using his own words. <laughs> it's a little dicey when you try to, you know, make it up as you go. So that's the surest thing and the most important thing. Is to make sure that there is, or to have within you enough of God's word that it flows out from time to time and, and accomplishes the things that God intends for it to do. But it's not just about the words. So hang on to that thought as I kind of make our way back through a couple of, of other things. God's word is powerful. And when we say God's word, we, I do mean this. But more than this, I mean, and, I'm, and if you're listening to this by recording, I'm, I'm holding the Bible. I do mean this. But more than this, I mean what's being communicated through this. And we'll read it in a few minutes about in John chapter one where it says that the word became flesh. Okay, so that's the, that's the message. Okay, but the word of God is powerful. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, it says the word of God is living. It's alive. This is not just some sort of collection of poetry and prose. There is life in here. The power of God in his word. John, in Genesis chapter 1, you know this. It says over and over again, God spoke and it was. Look around this room or out those windows if you can. Everything and anything you see exists because God said so. Because he spoke and it was. Even human beings, we were not created in the same fashion as, as, the, uh, as, the, as the rest of creation. We were breathed into a hunk of clay. The Bible says he breathed into us the breath of life. But even that was a form of communication. He was breathing into us. He was speaking into us. He was communicating into us. And that brought life to us. So everything you see, the back of that person's head sitting in front of you, that person is because he is alive today because of the power of God unleashed through his word. His word is powerful. Isaiah 55 verse 11 tells us that his word is productive. It does what it's intended to do. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return void. In other words, what I send it out to do, it will do. It'll accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the things for which I sent it. There's this other amazing verse in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 12 where it says, I am ready to perform my word. I'm ready to perform my word. Another way to, uh, to uh, interpret that is uh, I watch over my word to perform it. You know, I'll speak for myself, but this may be true of you also. I tend to be a little casual about my words. God is not. He doesn't, he doesn't waste words. He doesn't, um, you know, he, he, he does, he's not speaking in superlatives. What he says he means, and he means for everything he says to be fulfilled and accomplished. And so when it says there, I am ready to perform my word, that word, the literal translation from Hebrew is sleepless. God says, I'm sleepless over my word. That's how diligent I am about what I've said. I'm watching over my word to make sure it accomplishes everything I intend for it to accomplish. 
The Word of God is powerful, it's living. But it's also personal. John, I I referred to earlier in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And get this, the Word was God. And that, that word there again is Logos. In the beginning was the Logos. And the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. And then in verse 14 of the same chapter, it says, And the Word, or the Logos, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Who does that sound like? Jesus. The Logos of God, the Word of God, the message of God is Jesus. That's why it's so powerful. God inhabits his word in that way. He embodies his word. Now we have this incredible privilege as the disciples on that day and that we read about in Acts chapter 4 to expect that God would answer that kind of prayer. Lord, let your message be emanating from my life. Regardless of the threat, in the face of any sense of, you know, I don't know what they'll think of me. I don't want to be misunderstood. I mean, kind of mild versions, wouldn't you say, of a threat. But nonetheless, but some of us have that fear of being identified as a, a loony if we, if we speak the, the word of God. But we have this same invitation, same expectation that it is right to say. By the way, when they finished praying that prayer, (laughs) I forgot to mention this, when they finished praying that prayer, Lord, look on their threats and grant to us that we, with uh, all boldness, we may speak your logos, we may communicate your message by stretching forth your hand to heal and that signs and wonders would be done in the name of Jesus Christ. You know what happened? There was an, uh, an earthquake. Now, if you ever want to, you know, gauge the potency and power of your prayers, uh, (laughs) that would be a good way to do it. God was responding, saying, yeah, that's my people, right? That's what I want. I'm on that. So it's the right thing for us to expect. But here's what I think most people think of when, when, I, when I started this message saying, his word on your lips, that we quote scripture. We, I've already said we should. And if you can't quote scripture, that just means you're not getting enough in you, and that's another story. Make sure you get enough in you so that the Holy Spirit can draw it out. The Bible says that. But, look, if you're on the job and your boss comes to you and says, um... Vern, where's that report I asked you for? That's not the time to say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Right? But when Vern says, my dog ate it, (laughs) no, you wouldn't say that. Whatever, Whatever the appropriate response would be in that situation, God's message can still be there. This is the point that I'm trying to get at. His message can still be there. 
Today, when I walked into Starbucks, as I do every Sunday morning, I stood in line for a little while uh, to get up to the cash register. And while I did, I scoped out the different um, partners that were there. There was Eli, there was Jen, there was Sarah. And I started to pray for them as I do every, every day that I'm in there. I prayed, God, speak into the circumstances of their lives today. Draw them to yourself. You know them. You know what they're facing. All that kind of stuff. Then I got up to the... And so I'm already... God used me somehow. So I get up to the cash register and they, they, of course, they know my order. So they don't even ask. They've already rung me up and they've already started the drink. I get up there. And I said to Sarah, I said, I said, thank you for remembering, Sarah. So those are the words I said. Thank you for remembering, comma, Sarah. Now, what was the message I was communicating I was communicating. I'm, I'm grateful you took the time to know my name, that you took the time to remember my order, that you uh, have served me well and graciously, you know, when I'm in here. And all, I was communicating that. But what she may not have been immediately aware of, aware of is that I was also in, cramming into those few words the message of Jesus. I love you, Sarah, and not only do I love you and care about you, but God does. Now, I didn't, I didn't quote any scripture. I didn't say anything about God. Not that that wouldn't be appropriate at times, but, but not for that moment. I, I, I just couldn't have. You know, they're, they're rushing people through, and I've got to move on and all. But I could, because I'm a believer in Jesus, because he dwells within me. I could imbue, I can imbue everything I say with the message, the logos of God. Even if it doesn't sound like I'm quoting scripture. And so can you. And it's interesting that ver those verses we read in Acts, that's kind of what they were saying. Lord, we're not going to stop preaching your, your, the scriptures, but give us boldness to communicate your message and then they, they clearly say non-verbally. By stretching out your hand to heal. And the signs and wonders be done in the name of Jesus. So there's more than one way to communicate the message of God. And there's so much that can be communicated by what we say and by what we do. You know... Uh, when I, <laughs> my wife will kill me. She will kill me. <laughs> She's not here to, to I, I, but this is what comes to mind. <laughs> oh, Lordy. So, okay. <clears throat> so, <laughs> so when she says to me, Randy, do you want to do something tonight? There's a lot in that. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, God, help me. <laughs> right, though? 
So when I, when I speak, now you'll never get that out of your mind. I don't know what to do now. Um, <laughs> when we speak, dear ones, there can be a lot communicated beyond the words. Um, <laughs> when I write a letter to my wife or, or send her a card or give her a card or whatever, as we often do, I sign it this way. <laughs> Always the same. Because this, this says a lot to her. She calls me. Randy Bear. She does. Yes, she calls me Randy Bear. So... When I do that, I'm saying a lot to her, right? My point is, dear ones, we have an incredible privilege and responsibility to let the message of God, the logos of God, infiltrate every situation, every circumstance, every relationship, every single one. Now, I, I kind of have to do this for perhaps, perhaps no one here, but just because I'm on the record. There are people who take this uh, teaching or doctrine or, or concept too far or in a distorted way. It shows up every now and again. Maybe you've never been exposed to it. I hope not, but you may be, and just so you know. I've already said the word of God is powerful when it's the, the word of God on my lips accomplishes great and mighty things that God intends for it to accomplish. But in Mark chapter 11, verse 22 through 24, it, Jesus says, if you speak to this mountain, I'm paraphrasing a little, but if you speak to this mountain, be removed and cast in the sea. You believe in your heart, you don't doubt, that mountain's going to move. You will have what you say. You will have whatever you say. That's what it says there. And so there are people who take this idea of the power of God on my lips and they kind of distort it in a way to, to be, well, whatever I want, the power of positive confession, the power of positive thinking, the power of, or name it, claim it, that's sometimes what people, how people will describe it in a derogatory way. There is some truth behind it. And I want you to walk away today with that truth. But what I don't want you to do is to take it to this other place where I get to have what I want because I say it and I say it in the name of Jesus. A gross illustration, and pardon me for it, but I think it's the shortest route to my point, is you probably have all encountered somebody with a, you know, a big name, a large following, a, a, you know, perhaps a Christian person who's on television or a speaker or a writer or something, and, and they... You know, they pretty much can have whatever they say. You know, if they say, if they say to literally the millions of people that love them, that have, are invested in their ministry, if they say to them, you know what, I need a new car, I claim it in the name of Jesus, there will be one in their parking lot before they get home. 
simply because there's all these people who care about them. It has nothing to do with God. And they will use that as an example of, see what happened to me? I named it, claimed it. I spoke God's word, and there it is. And it's really not. And so we can kind of get off into this distorted area of where it's... Because, it's, listen, it isn't about what I want or what I say. It's about what God wants and what he has said and what he's doing. And Jesus said this. He said, I don't say anything that I don't first hear the Father say. When Sue and I were, been, as Sue and I were walking through her cancer story, you know that God had given us a passage of Scripture that we believed was His word to us, and so we said that to each other. We said that to anybody who would listen. This enemy is as a non-existent thing. Those search for it will not be found. We said it over and over and over in prayer because we believe the Lord had said that to us. So when God has spoken, and I reiterate what he has said, watch out. Because God's word does not return void. But if it's coming from your desires, if it's coming out of your whatever, it, it isn't. It's not about what I say that gets God to do what I say. It's me saying the same things as God. And it's a privilege, dear ones. In Proverbs 18.21, it says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. I got a, this incredible choice that God has made me. What I'm gonna, how I'm going to use my tongue. We all know you can do a lot of damage. But you can also, in the name of Jesus, do a lot of good. We have this incredible privilege. But we need to learn how to listen before we speak. And that's, that's tough for me. Maybe it's tough for you too. But James chapter 1 verse 19 says, Let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak. Let's hear what God is saying before we try to assign his name to something. Let's hear what God is saying and say the same things as he is. Now I'm going to close with this. Psalm 45, verse 1. I love this. And, and maybe it's just because I'm kind of tuned into poetic language, but I love the way he says this. The psalmist says, My heart is overflowing with a good theme. What he means by that is, My heart is full of this message. My heart is overflowing with this good theme that I want to communicate. I recite my composition concerning the king. My tongue is as the pen of a ready writer. That's how I want to live. I want to I live as though I've got this blank sheet in front of me and my pen ready. What you say, Lord, I'm going to say. What you want to communicate, I'm going to communicate. Your message, that's what I'm going to say. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer.